Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurman Dafyom. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We are now in the final podcast of the seventh parak, Parak Merubah, uh, near the top of Daf Pei Bet Amud Aleph, the seventh parak of Babakama. And we just finished studying the ten conditions, although there may have been more that Yehoshua set up when settling, when Bnei Israel set the land. Now we'll see the ten ordinances established by Ezra, uh, nearly uh, 900 years later. Asarat HaKonot Tiken Ezra. Shkorin v'mincha b'Shabbat, the public reading of the Torah on Mincha Shabbat. Korin v'shenim v'chamishi, number two is reading on Monday and Thursday. Vendenin v'shenim v'chamishi, Batei Din being in session Monday and Thursday, that's number three. V'chapsim v'chamishi v'shabbat, we'll do laundry on Thursday, that's number four. V'chun shum v'shabbat, eating garlic on Friday night. That a woman, when the day she bakes, whatever day it is, should get up early and bake. A woman should wear some sort of like an underpants. A woman should comb out her hair or shampoo, clean out her hair before going to the mikvah. That um, that perfume salesmen should be able to go through the cities. Number 10 is the famous Takana of Tevilah, going to the mikvah for somebody who's a Balkari, which is discussed at length in the third chapter of Masachet Brachot. All right, let's go through them. Shukorn Mincha B'Shabbat, what's that? Mishum Yoshvei Kronot, because of business people who during the week don't get a chance to see the Torah, this way at least they hear two readings on Shabbat. Shukorn Mishani V'chamishi, reading on Monday and Thursday, Ezra Tikein, wait a second, when Mikar means... That the original takana of some sort of regular reading of Kriyat Torah included Monday and Thursday. How do we know? Israel left. This is after Kriyat Yamsuf. They walked in the desert, didn't find water. Darshanim said the following about it. Ain Maim We know that water is compared to Torah throughout Tanakh. Shnemar. says all thirsty people go to water. And the reference here is to thirsty for Torah. Once they went three days in the desert without water, without Torah, they became exhausted. And they uh, we and from there, Amdunim Shebeneihem. Now Nevim Shebeneihem sounds like Nevim at the time of this three-day walk, but that of course could not be because there was no Torah yet to have a public reading of. And they established a system whereby you read on Monday and on Thursday and Shabbat with breaks in the middle so you never go three days without Torah. Which means that Monday-Thursday reading is part of the original Takana of Kriyata Torah. Now, the answer is The original Takana was to have three psukim read. Either one person reads all three, or one person reads one, and we have three people who are brought up, and they each read a pasuk. And these three psukim correspond to the tripartite division of the people. Atahu, what did Ezra do? He came, he came, he He was metakin, what we're familiar with, which is three aliyot, and a minimum of ten psukim, corresponding to the ten people whose job it is to stay in the shul all day and, and, and take care of things and to study, etc., as is documented in Masechet Megillah. The Batei Din should be in session on Monday and Thursday. Because the people are there. Why? They come to hear the Sefer Torah. They're in town and therefore they're available to uh, come to Beit Din. And so that's a good time to adjudicate all outstanding cases. 
משום מחבסין בחמישי בשבת, they should do laundry on Thursday, why משום כבוד שבת, that's easy. ושיהו אוכלים משום בערב שבת, why משום עונה, because of, this is for men and men who are married, because of the mitzvah of ona, of sexual satisfaction of their wives, דכתיב אשר פריו ייתן בעיתו, the pasuk of the beginning of Tehillim, he gives his fruit in its proper time. What's the proper time? So an early Amora said, There's a reference to having relations every Friday night. The idea is that's the proper time to do it. So in order to increase sexual appetite, um, uh, garlic is, uh, is a suggested food. And we have the following Brayta that supports that. There are five things that they say about garlic. Masbiya, it fills you up. Umashchin, it um, makes you healthy. Umatzil panim, it makes you look, you kind of clear your face. Mashchin really heats up the body, and it uh, and and it clear, it gives you a bright complexion. Umar behazera, what we mentioned, v'horei kinim shemayim, and destroys any infestation you may have in your innards. Yeshomrim machnis ahava umatziyat akinam. Some people say that it also. Because it makes you feel good, it makes everybody around you feel good, and uh, gets rid of jealousy, etc. The next takana was that a woman should bake bread early in the day, so that bread should always be available for the poor, so that when she bakes, people come around early in the morning, she'll have it already ready. To give them as, as charity. It's considered more tsanua. Notice Rashi's comment. What's that? To write the heat. A woman should comb her hair out. That's not a takana bezvah. That's to write the. How do we know the tanya? Rachatz et The fellow who's Tommy has to go put his flesh in the water. Shalom. You hate the varchotets ben b'saralamayim. It's a famous drasha we've seen several times. They have to put your flesh in the water, meaning nothing should co- prevent the contact between the flesh and the water, which we refer to as a chatzitza. And we said, et besaro, what's the et therefore? Et tafel besaro, meaning something, there's something which is attached to your flesh, which also has to have no chatzitza, umaynihu seyar, that's your hair. So really, making sure that your hair is not in any way knotted, or there's nothing in it that's going to prevent the water from getting through to all of your hair, is the alright. So amri, the alright, the liyune, the miktar. Me, the alright, all you have to do is check to make sure there's no knots. Inami ma'us midem yishum chatzitza, or to make sure there's nothing in it that's disgusting that we create a chatzitza. Vata'iyu, as we came along, tiken chafifa, he made a rule that you have to comb your hair out and shampoo it and clear it out, uh, in any case. Now, shiruachlin machazrin bayarot, why did he make the rule that the spice of the perfume salesman should be able to go through the cities and the townsfolk can't stop them? So the women should have perfume, so that they should always be attractive to their husbands. The tenth and final takana was tefila for balkeri. Wait a second, that's me. Person has to go to the mikvah if, he's a, if he has shichvat zera. The answer is Remember, all tefila is all about something having to do with kodshim or truma. Which is a subset of kodshim. There is no tefillah da'oraita for anything outside of that, at least for men. So atahu tikan afilu divrei Torah. Ezra came along and made the very famous takana that well, if you're valkari, you have to go to the mikvah even to study Torah to daven, and that's discussed. And why it fell out of use is also discussed in that sugya at the end of the third parak of brachot. 
All right, so those are the ten takanot of Ezra. Asarad Varim Namru Yerushalayim. There's ten things said about Yerushalayim. These are not things, the praise of Yerushalayim, but these are rules about Yerushalayim. And the first four of them are all based on the premise, as we'll see in the, in the uh, discussion, that uh, Yerushalayim lo nitchalka lishvatim. This is a subject of, of Machlok at Tanaim. Whether Yerushalayim was divided among the Shvatim of Yehuda and Binyamin, or whether it was really, uh, shall we say, uh, D.C., a no-man's land. So this bright follows the notion that it does not belong to any Shevet, which affects the first four of these ten things. If you buy a house in Yerushalayim, it's not nechlat, such that after a year it can't be, uh, you can't force the, uh, the buyer to sell it back, uh, which, is, which is the case in Bate Arichoma anywhere else. Uh, you don't bring an Egla Rufa if Yerushalayim is the closest town to where the dead man was found. The city of Yerushalayim cannot become an Irhani Dachat if a majority of the people do Avodah Zarah. The houses in Yerushalayim don't have too much Negoim of houses. Number five is that they don't build out balconies and beams coming out of the house uh, in Yerushalayim. We don't make uh, dung piles in Yerushalayim. We don't, um, we don't have, uh, they don't have kilns in Yerushalayim. We don't make gardens or orchards, orchards except for those old rose gardens that they had that uh, go back to the days of the early Nevi'im. In other words, there were some ancient rose gardens that they kept around, but other than that, we don't have new gardens or orchards inside the city of Yerushalayim. Ve'en megadlin ba'tarnigolim, that we saw in our Mishnah, which is we don't raise chickens there. Ve'en malin ba'manin ba'etamate, we don't let a mate sleep over, meaning when somebody dies, he's buried immediately, we don't wait overnight. Uh, that, by the way, is very famously practiced in Yerushalayim today, so that the only case where there's halanat ha'mate is if somebody dies, let's say, on a Friday evening, so they won't be buried until Saturday night, but we don't wait till Sunday morning. And in, in general, if somebody dies in the evening, they're buried right away. Uh, if it's not Shabbat or Yom Tov. Now, let's go back to the list. The houses that are sold in Yerushalayim are not nechlat. That only applies to walled cities that belong to particular tribes. As I mentioned. Only in the land that God gives you to inherit. Again, your cities are subject to Irani Dachat. And the fourth is When you come to the land, I will put Negat in the land. Again, the same thing. Okay, numbers 5 through 10 are very straightforward. Why would it have beams or balconies built out? One reason is to prevent the possibility of creating an ohel, where if somebody dies and somebody else comes underneath it, they become Tameh. So the pilgrims shouldn't get hurt on these things that are jutting out. Yishalayim uh, had a lot of pilgrims coming. We don't make dung piles. Because we don't want Shkatsim to come, which either is going to create an infestation or could create, if they die, uh, too much sheretz that we don't want either. We don't make kilns because of the smoke that blackens the walls. Not nice. We don't uh, um, uh, plant new gardens because of the uh, uh, 
of the weeds and everything that uh, inevitably grow. As we saw in the Mishnah, there is a Masoret that we don't leave a mate over, and like Rash says, we don't know the reason for it, but that's what it is. Okay, back to the Mishnah. And so now, momentarily, let's look back on the Mishnah on Ayin Tet, Amud Bet, and we'll see the last piece, which is in Megadlin Chazirim B'chomakom. You're not allowed to raise pigs. We'll see a reason why. You're not allowed to raise a dog unless he's tied with a chain. And in Porsim Nishvim Leonim, you don't set out traps for doves. Unless it's about four miles away from the inhabited areas. And the reason is that they're going to come. They're going to eat things from the fields. Again, like we had at the beginning of the Mishnah, with Behemadaka. So let's go back to our Gemara on Pebet Amud Bet, and let's see these pieces and analyze. In Megalin Chazirim Mechomakom, Tan Rabbanan, there's a famous story that we last saw at the end of Sota. When there was a civil war among the Chashmonaim, this is in the middle of 1st century BCE, Alright, so Hurkanus had control of the city, and Aristobulus was trying to wrest control. So every day the Kohanim would sneak out some money over the wall. And from the outside they would send in um, uh, a lamb for the Korban Tomit. There was a Zakain, an elder on the, with the outside group, that knew And it's very unclear what that means in this context. Um, so for right now we're going to assume that it means that he knew he had some aspect of wisdom. He told the uh, the other possibility is that he knew the Greek language and they were using that as a code and he picked up on what they were doing. In any case, he told them, as long as the people inside are doing the Avodah, we won't be able to beat them. Whereas the sense is that the people on the outside, as much as they were at war, they still wanted the Avodah to continue. And he said, that's exactly why you're not able to defeat them. So what they do? The next day they sent the money over. And they sent back a pig. When the pig was halfway up the wall, the pig knew what was going on. It stuck its talons or its uh, hooves into the wall. There was an earthquake. So they said, "Cursed is a man who raises chazirim." And cursed is a man who teaches his son Chokhmai Vanit. Alright, so this is brought, of course, because of the Chazirim, but the thing that interests more, us more is the Chokhmai Vanit because of the following problem. There's a Mishnah in Menachot that says, even though ideally you bring the grain offerings from as close to Yishalayim as possible, there was one year that the Omer was brought Miganot Srifin, which is quite a ways from Yishalayim, and Shteyalechem from even further away. Okay, since when year you're not allowed to learn Greek, Rabbi said, in Eretz Yisrael, why are you speaking Syriac? Either speak Hebrew or speak Greek. So Greek is a good option. We have a parallel thing in Bavel. Why do you speak Aramaic? Either speak Farsi or speak uh, Ivrit. So Amri, the answer is The decree was not against the Greek language. It was against Greek wisdom of some sort. Since when is that prohibited? He quotes the Pasuk or invokes the Pasuk in Echa. 
that I am uh, crying more than anyone else, and he applies it to the following about his own family. Father, Gamliel, remember, was of the time of the Chorban, father had in his household a thousand young students. 500 students of Torah. 500 studied Greek wisdom or philosophy. I was the only one left of one group. And my cousin was the only one left. He's in Asia somewhere in, uh, in Bavel. Um, they were the only ones left. So you see that he had 500 boys studying Chochmah You can't say it's prohibited. And of course, Megamliel was well after the story with the pig. So Amri The answer is that they had a dispensation because they used to interact with the Romans. They had to know how to converse and participate in uh, in conversations appropriately with that knowledge. Just like we have the Brighter that says, if you cut your hair in a particular way, which you call a blorit, that's called Darkei Amori. This particular man was allowed to do it. Why? Because he used to have to hobnob with the Roman leaders. He has to look the part. And that's why Rabbi Gamliel's household was allowed to participate in such conversations and to learn these things because they had to interact with the Romans. They had to know how to do it. Okay, back in the Mishnah, it said, You're not allowed to raise a dog unless he's chained. Same thing. You're allowed to raise a dog in a border city. And you can let him out at night. You have to tie him up during the day. He discounts it and he says it's prohibited like raising pigs. Uh, because uh, since he he equates raising dogs with raising pigs, then that means that now somebody who raises dogs is Arur. As we said before, Arur Aishi Gadel Chazirim. In Bavel, it's like a border town and we can raise dogs. So Tirgaman Nahardeah, they said that's referring to Nahardea, which was right near a border and was a dangerous place, so you're allowed to have dogs that you would allow out at night. It's a famous drasha about the fact that the God never rests on less than 22,000 of Israel. And what's the point of that? So if there's one missing, let's say there was a woman among them and she was pregnant. So her child would have then made exactly 22,000. And a dog came along and barked and scared her and she miscarried. So this fellow who raised a dog that scared the woman, sounds like like Hadganya, um, ended up causing the Shekhinah to disappear. But the, the point being, of course, is that every life is valuable and every person counts very significantly. And look what the implications could be. And dogs uh, evidently have a tendency of scaring people in such a way that they could end up uh, miscarrying. There was a woman who went into a house to bake. The dog uh, barked. The master of the house said, Don't worry about it. His teeth are out. Take all your goodness and throw it to the dogs. After all, the child has already moved, meaning that the um, that, that I already lost the child. All right, so um, that... Um, 
she may have said Achizri uh, throw it to the dogs. She may have thrown it on the thorns. Meaning, either way, your 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 consolation is a little bit late. I already lost it. And they're bringing this to demonstrate that what we're talking, what we're saying about the impact of a dog scaring a woman is a real thing and not and and it's something that here it happened. And Yonim. The last thing in the Mishnah was laying out traps for for um, do- doves. So they have to be at least 30 reefs from the city, which means four mil. Since when do doves go that far? We have the Mishnah. You have to set up your dove code 50 amot away from the city. So that's as far as doves seem to go. Abaya says, no, they actually fly quite a bit. But they fill their stomach within 50 amot. In other words, the, um, they fly quite a distance. That's the four mil. But if you are 50 amot away, they're going to fill their stomach before they get to the city. But they only fly 30 reis. It's not that far. We said that in an inhabited area, you can't set up a, um, a, dove, uh, a dove trap um, even 100 mil away. That's referring to a settlement where there's a lot of vineyards, and they go from vineyard to vineyard and keep kind of pit stops. Says no, it's a settlement where there are a bunch of dovecotes. They go from dovecote to dovecote. But then the problem isn't that they're close to a yishuv; they're close to other shovachin. So could be the shovachin belong to a non-Jew. Who themselves, they themselves are not that careful about these laws, and therefore we don't have to be careful in that respect. It could be that these are unowned. It could be that they're his own shovachim. So therefore that's not the problem. The problem is how close he is to the Yishuv. For a successful completion of Perak Merubah, certainly a very challenging Perak. And in the next podcast we will begin, uh, the eighth Perak of Masachet Babakama, about battery and assault and the um, consequent uh, liability, Perak HaChovel. Everyone should have a wonderful day.